Hi, I'm Jen Drummond. Welcome to my podcast, Take a Break. As a mom of seven, a business owner, and an individual trying to be the first female to climb the seven second summits, I often need to remember to take a break. Take a Break is about enhancing and preserving the greatest asset you have, you. Listen in as I share personal stories and interview others to help you get the most out of this one amazing life. So you started all of this, right? Kids Eat in Color in 2019 because you had a picky eater or like, give us the background. Yeah, so I actually started in 2017, well before it was like my job. Um, I have... I had a three-year-old, he had started to fall off the growth chart when he was nine months old and I had specialized. So I'm a dietitian and I had specialized my knowledge in child feeding because I was trying to keep my kid on the growth chart, you know? And then by the time he was three, I also had a one-year-old who was a a legit picky eater. (laughs) And so at my deepest core, I understood that feeding kids is tricky. It can be so stressful and there could be angst that's keeping you up at night. And I remember standing in the kitchen, um, making this cute little preschool lunch for my child, thinking maybe this will capture his attention enough that he'll eat it. Thinking I can't be the only person who is struggling here. And a couple months later, I started the kids eating color Instagram account and that's where it started. That's absolutely amazing. So when my kids were little, we did Montessori, right? Mm-hmm. It was it was just local easy and that's the choice we picked. And I remember packing them lunches and they would come home as if they ate nothing, right? <laughs> and then the teacher said to me, buy this little bento box lunchbox and let them help you pack their lunch because then they get to control what goes in and how much and the nice thing about those bento boxes is they kind of have like little, you know, I didn't like my food mixing. They sure don't like their food mixing. Right? right. So, and then we would only allow them to have, you know, cheese cubes in one of them. So they had to pick grapes or strawberries or something to put on all the other ones. Right. And that was a huge help because also yeah. the buggers ate what they packed. <laughs> right. That's amazing. I mean, one of my kids, you would say, Hey, do you want to help me pack your lunch? And you'd be like, no. <laughs> He just wanted it to be a surprise. Like for him, the surprise was worth it. Yeah. Um, and you know what? He usually ate it. My other child went a whole year where he barely touched his lunch. Yeah. And I would say, you know, he also didn't want to help pack his lunch. He didn't want to, <laughs> I think it like too many choices stressed him out. He definitely wanted the bento box like his brother. Yep. But that didn't translate into, I want to eat at school because it could, you know, there's so much going on at school. There's just so many things and they can't, sometimes it's just too overwhelming and they can't really eat. Yeah. We actually, at our house, the kids are all home at 3.30 in the afternoon. That's when we do dinner. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but because they get anxious, so there's so much going on at school that a lot of them don't eat at school. I have seven kids, by the way. So when I have them all home at 3.30, I know everybody's hungry. So this is my chance to get a healthy meal in versus the snacks after school and then eating later. It just, it didn't work. So we had to shift our calendar just based on what their eating pattern was. I love that. I love that so much. And it's also, kids will eat so much more variety of foods when they're hungry. And they come home from school starving. I've never seen my kids come from come home from school not starving, like every single time. And as long as I can get them sitting down, you're right. They would eat a whole dinner. I'm not there when they get home from school. So for yeah. us, it doesn't work out, but let me tell you, they would eat so much better. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I, I was like watching the food pattern of what was going on. I said, you know, we're going to just try. So we mm-hmm. tried it and it ended up working out in our favor. Right. But again, right. I'm lucky I'm home at that time and it works for my family, but I just can't get them to eat at school at all. It doesn't matter when they were younger, they did. And I have a set of twins. So Mm -hmm. the interesting thing with watching twins eat is that 
sometimes one eats and sometimes one doesn't, or, I mean, it could be months where I have an eater and I have a non-eater and it's hard not to compare them and being like, Hey, are you eating enough? Are you doing enough or what's going on? But the doctor just keep kept reminding me, you have kids that have the same birthday. They're Mm -hmm. entirely different children, treat them as different children. They just have the same birthday. And that was great advice that allowed me just relax about it. Yeah, that's so good. I know sometimes pediatricians can kind of get worked up with some parents, but I always remind them like, if your child doesn't have to be on a specific line on the growth chart, they just need to be on their line, which could be different. And I'm sure maybe with twins, I don't know, I don't have them. So I'm not completely well-versed and I, I know they can be on different lines and maybe they're a little closer than others. I don't know. But at the end of the day, they are, all the kids are separate and you might have one child who's at the 95th percentile and one that's at the 50th. I remember my mom always saying, I have a small, medium and large kid <laughs> for the first three. Um, and of course, by the, by the second or the last two, she, you know, didn't even, right. why even talk about the growth chart? Just eat, just eat. We're good. Right. No one's bleeding. Right. We're fine. We're winning. Right. <laughs> but another thing that you said really um, made me think, you know, you said you watched your child's eating patterns. And I think something that we have as parents and often, especially as moms, is we watch our kids. We care and we watch. And let me tell you, when I had a child who didn't eat enough, I watched and I watched and I watched and I could tell you exactly what the size of the largest meal he would eat in a day was. And that was one cup. And I saw it and I knew, and I knew he'd only one meal like that. And so I made sure that he had a cup of food at all of his breakfast, lunches, and dinners, because I never knew what meal or snack would be the one where he would actually eat a cup of food. And so I, you know, being a geeky dietitian, I was like, okay, how many calories can I pack into one cup of food? But at the end of the day, you know, parents often say, how much should my kid be eating? And, you know, at the end of the day, you have to watch and see how much is your kid eating? Because they're the only ones who are going to be able to tell what's going on inside and how much space they have in there and whether they're constipated and like all these different things that would affect their appetite, they're going to know. But at the same time, you're going to know how much is the most they're going to eat, how much is the smallest amount they're going to eat. And you can work with that once you understand it. So you knew that your kids were going to eat the most at 3.30 in the afternoon. Right. You knew that. And you were like, okay, I'm going to actually rearrange my life to make this happen. but and that's what that's what um ended up being good for your family. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's allowing what is and then supporting that, right? As yeah. much as you yeah. can. And here's a funny okay, so kind of adult nutrition which made me look at child nutrition in a different way is I was in K2 recently climbing and I got anthrax. So I had to go on this oh antibiotic. Gosh. Oh my God, it was insane. I had to go on this <laughs> terrible antibiotic that took away all of my bacteria, good and bad, and all these things, and had to start building my diet back up. And I noticed because I was starting from a clean slate, when you eat healthy, I didn't have food cravings or I wasn't mm-hmm. starving or I didn't wake up in the morning famished. Right. Mm-hmm. But then one day, I decided that it was a great idea to eat ice cream at like 9.30 p.m. A couple of things I noticed. One, I slept terrible, right? Mm-hmm. And then two, the next morning, it's like I hadn't eaten in the last year. And right. it was just shocking to me that the quality of food that we eat really does play a role in how hungry you are. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's with kids too, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I feel like sometimes what we forget is our kids have blood sugar, just like we do. (laughs) It's essential for us to stay alive. So, you know, there's glucose that goes into our bloodstream and then it comes out and our body has this balance. And, you know, it keeps it within, as long as we're metabolically healthy, it keeps it within a fairly tight range, keeps us quote healthy. But if your child is only eating processed foods, yes, they're going to keep it within a somewhat normal range, but you might notice 
that their blood sugar goes up after they have candy or doesn't mean they're going to be hyper. And that's another conversation. Sugar doesn't cause hyperactivity, but you know, it's going to go up. You're not necessarily going to see anything, but then it's going to come down really fast. And when it goes down really fast, your child is going to get really hungry because they want to get that blood sugar back up. They're going to really grumpy and fussy and all those things. And then they are going to want to eat the thing that is going to bring their blood sugar up absolutely the fastest. And that's going to be something like more highly processed foods. Now, it doesn't mean that these foods are bad, that your child should never eat them, that you should never eat them, you know, but like you said, what you learned is eating ice cream at nine o'clock at night did not leave you feeling your best. And, you know, the same in my family, the rule is like, no, you're not allowed to eat candy for breakfast. I am telling you, I can't take my kids if they have candy for breakfast. And now this is never an endorsed activity, but it happens sometimes. And it just reminds my kids, no, they're going to get a lecture if they eat candy uh, first thing in the morning. Um, so sometimes, and you'll see that with ourselves, like if the more your blood sugar is up and down and it's not kind of in this steady, somewhat steady state and uh, normal up and down is, is normal and healthy, but it's, it's not going kind of further up and further down, the more fussy and the more you're going to kind of crave the fast, uh, food and all that. So that's one of the reasons that I kind of recommend to parents that they serve the ice cream or the candy alongside a snack or a meal or something like that. One, it kind of takes it down a notch in terms of excitement because mm-hmm. yeah, you served it on a plate with broccoli. So it just takes away some of that, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, it's so amazing when it's next to the rest of the meal. And then also it does help their blood sugar. It helps keep them more stable. Yeah, no, I like that. So I am a culprit of being negative in the breakfast time every once in a while. We have a family tradition where we do cake for breakfast because on birthdays, that's when everybody's home, right? We have soccer games and practices and this, that, and the other things. So they know when it's a birthday, we have cake for breakfast and sure. We, I I know it's not the best dietary thing, but I feel like your website and really your mission is that's one aspect. We need to have a healthy mindset and a healthy relationship with food. And if we know this is a special thing, and even though it's not the best thing for us, that's actually more important than sticking to these rigid rules and following these along, because then we're losing ourselves in the process. And when I've been reading through all the things that you've been posting, that's probably one of the consistent messages that I think you give all of us permission to do. Oh, absolutely. And to have a tradition like that, that's so special and unique to your family. I mean, you can't beat that. And I feel like it far outweighs any sort of blood sugar issue. And for sure, my kids have had cake too. And I put cake in a different category than like straight up candy. Um, At least it's, I mean, it's a lot like bread. There's an egg in Um, there. There's an egg in there. For sure. (laughs) For sure. I don't have any judgment about a tradition like that. And you know, how many of us have had donuts and and tea or coffee or, you know, these sorts of things. Um, I personally like good slice of pumpkin pie after Thanksgiving for breakfast. So good. Um, but yeah, you're right. There's, you know, at the end of the day, you know, what's best for your family and you know, what is going to be best for their emotional and physical health and in all those different things. And what's going to kind of pull your family together and having that sort of connection and family tradition is just going to so far outweigh any sort of like, and our blood sugar went a little up and down. I mean, it just doesn't even, um, it just doesn't even uh, compare. So when you start, like your resources are so deep and they're so relevant to I mean, I know you're shooting for like kids from zero to 10, but it still plays role in all of us, like adults too, right? So there's benefit Mm -hmm. for all of us. How did you like start scaling and getting all this information and growing and answering these questions and getting to where you guys are today? Because there's a handful of nutritionists with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's been so amazing to kind of build our, what we call the health and development team, which is, you know, we have a bunch of registered dietitians, um, an eating disorder dietitian, uh, an infant and toddler uh, dietitian, but we also have a pediatric gastroenterologist um, 
and a psychologist and our um, educator, our, you know, child development specialist and, you know, some occupational therapists as well. Um, the, the thing is, is as, as you kind of jump into feeding, there's so many different things. There's preventing eating disorders. There is thinking about the relationship between the parents and the children. There is uh, the fact that children who are extremely picky can have sensory needs and they're neurodiverse. And, and there's so many different things. I don't know everything about feeding kids. It's so complicated. I know a lot for sure. Um, and I'm always learning more, but I needed to have a group of people where we could say, um, hey, let's co-author this article together. Um, I just wrote an article about flavor training, which is kind of a new trend in infant feeding where you're exposing your infant to flavors very early on. Now, this is, it's not new. It's in the research literature and it's been around for a while, but not that long. And not a lot of people know about it. But I wasn't just going to go out on a limb and say, okay, I've done all these research, this research, and I've written the, the you know, the article about that. Um, but I also need another specialist to review this and make sure it's clear and make sure they have the same interpretations of the research as well, so that we're providing something that is reliable, evidence-based, and that parents feel like is giving them more options and useful information. So in terms of building up the amount of information, I mean, it's, you know, it's one article at a time, right? Right, right. <laughs> you, you start and you keep going. And, um, and that's kind of where it's, where it's come from. Everybody who's listening, you're doing yourself a disservice if you do not check the site out because there's just a wealth of knowledge to learn from and see and understand. And like little tips and tricks. Like one of my favorite ones was, cause I have some fussy eaters in my lineup and you did a phone call to the family ahead of time. Hey, guess what? We're coming for a holiday dinner and guess what? So-and-so is probably not going to eat. So let's just address that right now. And he kind of made it funny. And because like food shaming is a thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And who wins? I don't know. It's like, I always like sit at that spot and say, okay, where are we winning here? What's the end game? Yeah. I mean, it's so true. You know, we really have to meet our kids where they're at. We're going to be our kids' biggest advocate. We're going to know when things are wrong. We're going to be able to support them. We're the ones who are willing to do the work to support what they need. And, and sometimes that means sticking up for them and saying, Hey grandma, it's not the fact that they, they love you. They love you so much and they love being around you and they love it when you give them candy yes. <laughs> because your grandma's going to give them lots of candy, Yes, but yes. They, they're not going to eat this holiday meal because they only see it once a year and it's new for them and they're still learning to like it. So I'm going to bring some food that I know they're going to eat. That's going to help them have a really good time and to keep all the, the memories, um, you know, happy because ultimately I, I really want them to have a good relationship with you. And they're, you know, next year could be the year that they eat it. And, um, you know, trying to both support our kids and stick up for them and advocate for them. And also considering the needs of our other relatives, like grandma needs to know that, that you care and that you respect her and that you love her and that, you, you know, the potatoes are still the best thing that in the world, right. She needs to know that. Um, and sometimes just kind of bridging that gap for them really goes a long way in making sure there is a open, positive, nourished relationship. And that's this, that's your whole holistic approach, because I was looking at one of the posts that you had and it had, maybe it was rainbow cauliflower or rainbow or unicorn cauliflower. I don't yeah. remember exactly, but it must've had, did you have to use some kind of dye to make it so that it made no. it fun and colorful? Okay. How no, did this happen? So you can buy, you can buy purple cauliflower. Okay. It's kind of a specialty item. So you gotta, you may have to go to a farmer's market or like a, you know, a specialty store and then you sprinkle, um, well, you could steam it, steam it first, okay. and then you could sprinkle lemon juice on it okay. and it will turn pink, bright pink. That's it. 
That's it. That's it. No That's die, it. but you, your kids, I mean, their eyeballs will pop out of their head. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Especially if they like pink. Yeah. And if you give them the lemon, right. To say like, oh, Hey, yeah. watch this happen. Go like, yeah. Yeah. No. And you had like another example that I just loved because I'm doing this now, um, where you had the cauliflower, no broccoli in a vase. So then it was just out and exposed, right? So that yeah. everybody had to like see it and just get curious about it and be more familiar yeah. with it. And then right. you cut it up and put it onto their plate so they could, you know, be whatever. And I love that. And what I've noticed is my kids are not big veggie eaters, mm-hmm. but when I put cold veggies on a tray, when they first come home from school and that's their only option until I get the other things ready to pull apart, guess what? Veggies are consumed. <laughs> because Absolutely. they're starving. That's their option. Dinner's going to be ready in like 20 minutes. Yeah. I mean, oh my gosh, the, the fruit or vegetable or d'oeuvre, especially vegetables. I mean, when you're hungry, you're going to eat it Yes, <laughs> because it's there and you don't want to wait for 20 minutes. Um, you know, they say hunger is the best sauce because wow, veggies taste so much better when you're hungry. For all of us, let's be honest. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Okay. So what are typical problems that you see um, being in your shoes? Like what's a, oh, this is, this happens more often than not, or here's something we see quite often. Sure. So we see a lot of picky eating, you know, yeah. at in the zero to zero to 10 range, you know, we're helping parents with their babies first bite of iron rich foods. Right. And if you need that article, you can go get it more often than not that, that like infant period is six months. And then all of a sudden you jump into the toddler phase and the preschooler phase. And you're thinking, what happened to my baby? What happened to my baby? Who is eating so many different foods. Now they're not eating anything. One, they're not eating anything. And two, they're not eating any vegetables. They're not eating any fruit, you know, whatever it is. And so What we like to do is help parents through that transition because yes, your baby may have been eating as much food as you some days. They're tripling in size in their first year. They need a lot. They need a lot of energy. They need a lot of nutrients, all that stuff. Then all of a sudden your toddler slows down their growth tremendously. They're only going to grow a couple of inches in their second year of life. They don't need as much energy to power that kind of growth Ah. as they did when they were a baby. So this transition can be so stressful for parents. And when you notice that your child is suddenly not eating and not eating a variety of foods, it is very easy to fall into a bunch of behaviors that are going to make your child's eating worse. For example, maybe you say, okay, I'm going to just start putting you in front of the TV and you're going to eat all of your meals in front of the TV. Now, I never judge a parent for anything, anything, period. So if your child is eating all their meals in front of a TV, I 100% support you. At the same time, maybe you're upset about their picky eating and you're thinking, is there a change that I can make that would help? Reducing that screen time during meals can be a huge help because when your child is watching a screen, their brains are just kind of disengaged from the eating experience mm-hmm. and they're not getting all the exposures that they need in order to be able to learn to eat that broccoli or those carrots or, like or whatever it is. things together, right? I feel. So, you know, we, it always comes from a good place. We always are trying to help our kids and that's why we put them in front of the TV or we started pushing them to eat or, you know, all these things. But in the end, they're kind of causing us more problems. Mm-hmm. And, and now that we're in that position, we're thinking, okay, what can I do now to kind of move forward? I always remind parents that, making quote mistakes is part of being a parent yeah. because how are you supposed to learn or do anything? Um, and so we're always causing ourselves more work in the long run and you can't avoid that. That's like impossible to avoid. You would not be a human if you could avoid that. Right. Parenting, um, so, AKA yeah. mistake-making like that, right. <laughs> like a, they just go together. One does not come without the other. Yeah. And you're a couple of years ahead of me in terms of that. So when you stay, say parenting equals mistake-making, you know, that makes me feel better. Yes. Um, so it's just one of those things. You're always going to make mistakes. You're always going to cause yourself more work, but at the same time, you can also say, okay, 
I do want my child to eat better now. And now that I've learned that reducing screen time may help with that in the long run, hey, I'm going to give it a try. Well, and what are your things? Again, people, I'm telling you this website's like endless knowledge. <laughs> Even for me, there was a section where it said, you know, when they're 10 years old, 10 to 20 minutes at a table is about as long of an attention span that you should expect from them. I mean, I'm sure there's some days that are more, some days that are less, mm-hmm. but just knowing that allows me permission to enter the dinner table when we go out to dinner as a family and say, okay, here's where our limits are. Yeah, And that just gives me so much more patience in what unfolds instead of not knowing. Knowledge is definitely power. And you mm-hmm. definitely give us this resource of things to say, oh, here's how this works. Great. Thank you. Now I know what to expect. And now I know how to show up a little bit more reasonable as an adult. Right. I mean, it's so true. So much of our angst as parents is that we don't know what's reasonable to expect. Like, you know, sometimes I expect my child to just put on his shoes and walk out the door, but that's just not a reasonable expectation <laughs> expectation for, for one of my kids. I know it's going to take a while. So instead of getting upset about that, I can just say, okay, I have to bank in an extra 20 minutes before I need to leave for something. And when I do that, then I don't have to be stressed because I know it can still be on time and allow my child to be who he is and understand he's going to keep gaining skills. And one day he's going to be able to just put on his shoes and walk out the door every single time. I know I'm always amazed that when I go to the airport by myself, how, how did I get through here so fast? Like, what, what's going on? Like, what what happened? And then you realize right. like, oh, moving that many humans, even just through like the airport, all of it, it just takes time yeah. and it adds in to all the pieces that are going on. Okay, my favorite hack of yours, because I'm like a huge sprinkles fan, is that when the kids are having a hard time eating, like throw a couple colored sprinkles on there because the bigger, I mean, you're, you're getting a bigger win. I mean, it's not yeah. perfect, but it's not, like it's not a zero sum game. It's so true. I remember, I remember one person said something, left a comment on this particular reel and said something like, and you call yourself a dietitian. I was like, yeah, I do. Like, have you ever had a child? You know, it doesn't mean you have to put sprinkles on every single meal and snack. And in fact, I would not recommend that because then the novelty wears off. But you know what? A few sprinkles now and then is so much fun. Why not add some fun? I mean, if you're freaked out about the colors, get dye-free sprinkles. Or you know what? Convince your child that sesame seeds or hemp hearts or chia seeds are a sprinkle and you know, for a toddler, that may actually work. Right. Um, but eventually they're going to come to a point where they're like, I want it to be a little more exciting than that. Yeah, I know. I loved it. I was like, oh, that's so killer. Because I have friends that have kids that are younger that come over and you're trying to think, of, okay, what can make it fun or easy? But just even understanding that this is a new environment. So when it's a new environment, mm-hmm. hey, guess what? They might not be as comfortable to eat as much as they normally do because they're t- processing all this new. And right. so, yeah, it's just, yeah, I love it. It's been fun. Um, what are things, you know, as they start getting older and I have this problem at my own house is they don't eat dinner because they kind of assume they're going to have a snack later. What do you do if they, how do you handle that? Like snack time, meal time, don't postpone or don't save room for dessert type of thing. So there's a couple ways you can handle it. If the kids know dessert is coming, why not serve it with the meal? Yeah, right. You did that on one of those things. I love that. You know, you don't have to. And some people get so offended when I suggest that. And I just remind parents, you never have to take any ideas that I put out there. You know what's best for your family. You know what's best for you. You know what you're comfortable with. Um, Don't, you know, second guess yourself. Um, If something sounds good, give it a shot. But you're also not committing to a lifetime of it. In our house, we have found this serving dessert with a meal to be transformational. The kids never freak out about what's for dessert because it's already on their plate. Now, we don't always have dessert, Mm -hmm. um, but we always have a bedtime snack. Mm That is just part of our life, part of keeping a kid on the growth chart. Um, And so they know that's always an eating opportunity. And the downside of that is, yeah, they may choose not to eat very much dinner because they know that snack is coming, but they also know snack isn't going to be that exciting. 
right. might be a yogurt. It might be um, a piece of toast. <laughs> it might be an apple like it was last night. So it, as long as you're feeding them something that isn't like always ice cream, and mm-hmm. unless that's your thing, mm-hmm. then right. they're not really incentivized in the same way. At the same time, if you have an extreme piggy eater or something and the bedtime snack is the right choice for your family, it also gives them a bit of a safety. Um, But let me tell you, like the number of times that my kids have not eaten dinner in order to wait for that cheese stick (laughs) is so few. They they had to have like really, really not liked dinner. And so I think that's part of it is, is setting that expectation. now. If you got a toddler and you they figure out that if they don't eat dinner, you will then offer them a snack of whatever they want, then you better believe they are going to hold out for those goldfish crackers, those right? Toddlers are amazing. I mean, their willpower is like, we need to harvest that somehow as an adult. That inner child is the inner child we need to bring forth because that toddler yeah. can play. <laughs> they can play and they are so smart. Like they learn cause and effect so well. And, and really, you know, it's not like they're trying to manipulate, uh, excuse me, manipulate you. They're just trying to figure out how does life work? Oh, guess what? I would prefer a goldfish cracker to broccoli. And if I wait, I can get the goldfish cracker. So in that sense, if you want your child to eat the broccoli, then I would recommend either always serving bedtime snack and not making it exciting or never serving bedtime snack. Now, of course, when I say never or always, I mean, we are parents. We know that there is a gray area always around the corner. So use your best judgment. Mm -hmm. But in our house, we always have bedtime snack. And, you know, it's never a bargaining chip. It's never like, hey, you didn't eat enough dinner. So I'm not going to give you the bedtime snack. It just is. And therefore it's not a bargaining chip. And so if you got that two-year-old, and they're not waking up in the middle of the night hungry, then you really don't need to have a bedtime snack. There's no reason to have it just to make sure that your child has another thing to eat. Like if you want your child to always have a safe food to eat at a meal, always serve a meal, a food that they're comfortable with at the meal. Then you don't have to have that bedtime snack. Now, if if you're trying to keep on a, a kid on a growth chart like me, or they're waking up in the middle of the night hungry, great reason to have a bedtime snack. And how do you... So I have a friend that has um, a few kids and one of them is the large child, right? There's large, mm-hmm. medium, and small. One of them's the large child and they don't talk about it, right? Because they don't want to body mm-hmm. shame the child or they're really conscientious, but they're trying to help that child eat healthy or not, you know, eat with intention and things like mm-hmm. that. And then the other two are string beans, right? So mm-hmm. how do you balance that when you have kids that are in different body types and helping them own who they are and eat for what the right reasons and things like that. Yeah. I think, you know, sometimes we really think kids need to eat differently based on their size. Okay. And, you know, in some cases it's true. Like if you have a child who's not eating enough calories, they're going to need to eat more calories in order to stay on the growth chart. Right. So that's kind of the the situation that we've had. And so we've had to add fat to his meals to add those calories and um, kind of like always adding calories. But his brother actually doesn't have a, he just just stand on the growth chart just fine. And so we haven't added the same amount of fat or calories to his food. And so much of it is an add on. So if I'm going around and I'm, you know, buttering pieces of bread for the kids, for example, um, I would put like four times as much on the kid who needed extra calories. And I would just put like a normal amount on the kid who didn't need extra calories. So there is that element of food. Much more important than that is to really remember what your child's job is and what your job is. And as the parent, it is your job to provide a good mealtime structure. And that means you're not having your kids watch TV while they're eating. You're you're not letting your child, your kids eat whenever they want, wherever they want. Um, You're not letting them choose everything about what they're eating. Because as the parent, 
that is your job. Your job is providing, hey, this is what's in our house to eat. This is what's available at these meals. This is when we have meals. We're not eating every hour throughout the day. We're not seeing from the screen. We're not having all these distractions because all of those things are going to make it more difficult to listen to whether your body is hungry or full. This is the same no matter who your child is or what their body type is or anything. The, the rules of what your job is are the same. The same goes for your child. They are going to decide how much they're going to eat and whether they're going to eat what's available at that meal. Mm-hmm. And they're going to, to decide how much of it they're going to eat. Um, now, like you said, trying to eat consciously and think about how much you're eating or whether your body is hungry or full, that is something that's important no matter who you are, what age you are, uh, you know, it feels what the size of your body though, is. When they're younger, doesn't it? Like kids know. It's not until oh, yeah. they get older that they don't really know, right? I feel yeah, my it's kids true. are such better eaters and more aware than even I am. Absolutely. And we can foster that in the kids as they get older. So yeah, you're you know, your two-year-old is amazing at knowing when they're hungry or full. And that's what's driving you crazy because they're not eating some days because they're not hungry and they're eating ton other days because they are hungry. And as parents, we often say, oh, you have to finish your plate. You have to eat three bites. You have to, um, are you done? Are you done? Are you done? Like, are you sure you don't want more? We're pushing, pushing, pushing. And that's pushing kids to override their innate understanding of how much their body needs. So that's one of the reasons we kind of get away from it is because we are being pressured by external forces to eat a certain amount of food, even though in reality, um, those, those younger kids have such a good sense. So continue to foster that with kids. And so when we're thinking about, you know, whether our child is eating too much or not eating enough, I always kind of go back to this core. Like we have to go to the core first and if you're really solid on that, you've been working on that, on that a long time, then it might be time to work with a dietitian to say, okay, are there tweaks that our entire family needs to make to our diet in order for us all to be healthy, especially if your child has some sort of you know, medical condition related to um, their body size? I'll tell you, I grew up where you ate, like clear the plate, right? Mm-hmm. You need to clear the plate. And so as an adult, I still have to check in with myself. I mean, I'm like, am I eating because I need to clear the plate or am I eating because I need more food? Because right. nowadays portion sizes are so big everywhere you go. I actually right. normally have the restaurant cut the order in half and then I'll put some of it in a to-go box already. And then I'll eat what the half of the meal is. And if I'm still hungry, then I'll add more, but I'm better off that way than having the whole thing in front of me and staying in my lane with how much I should be eating. Right. And that's an adult. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, it's so hard. It's so ingrained. And that's why I really encourage parents to kind of check themselves yeah. and how much pressure they're putting on your kid. Cause once that's ingrained, it's really, I mean, how many times have we eaten something that is making us uncomfortable and we don't even want to eat? Maybe we don't even like it. Like I've gone to more birthday parties where I've gotten this huge piece of cake even really like cake. I mean, give me a bowl of ice cream any day, but like, I don't know, cake just doesn't do it for me. And I've eaten this whole enormous piece of cake and I feel sick all because I feel compelled to because of, you know, how, what cake was like when I was a kid, you know? So, um, it's one thing if you love the cake or you love the ice cream, like fine, but also I want to be able to choose. I really want to be able to choose if I want to eat a lot of something or a little of something. I don't just want to be compelled because 20 years ago, someone was like, hey, you have to always eat the cake. (laughs) Don't always say, hey, you're not going to have cake for a while. Or it's rude, right? It's rude to not eat everything on your plate or all these silly things. I was, and it's interesting how culturally things are different. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I've been in other countries where they keep putting food on your plate. And I said, I can, I cannot have any more food go on this plate. And they're like, it's actually an, like you're supposed to leave food on your plate and hand it right. back because that means you're satisfied with the service or food or whatever from the host. And it's, it's just a bizarre thing. And when you start going into other cultures to experience their eating habits, it really starts having you reflect on your own, right? Like, right. Well, why do we do it this way? What's this story? Yeah. Why am I thinking this thought? It's so different. Yeah, it is different. Okay. So I did love, okay. On one of the things you had 
this little, I want to say it's like a pill box that we would use for to make sure we're taking our medications that were older. And he filled it with little snacks to go on an airplane. And now, I I mean, I, I have to pack snacks for me because otherwise I'll get into a crisis mode, starving and then pick a bad choice. So I understand like you plan ahead of time. Okay. What do you put in that? How did you pick it out? All that fun stuff, because I love that little hack that you have. Yeah. So I have a super active, well, two super active kids. Um, and I always like to remind parents, we don't want it to look like a pillbox because we don't want kids eating pills. Right. True. So, um, but yes, I did use a pillbox for this and I, you know, my son's 14 months old. We are, I'm going to be taking him solo across the country. And I start to feel that panic because this is one of the most active kids I have ever known in my life. He doesn't ever, ever sit still, let alone for six hours trapped on an airplane. And I started, you know, Googling like activities for kids on airplanes. And I wrote down every list and I planned out an activity for every 10 minutes of the entire flight. And one of these, I thought, oh my gosh, if I put snacks into a little box and he has to figure out how to flip open that lid every time, this is going to take him a lot of time to eat his snack. Because really for me, it was like, how can I take an activity he would normally do and stretch it times 10? (laughs) You know, okay, let's say he wants to eat eat a Cheerio. How can I make this take a whole minute per Cheerio? Um, and one of the ways that I did that is I created this little pillbox that what I like to call his little airplane box. And it was a hit. Of course he loved it. And I shared it on Instagram, you know, in, I want to say it was 2018. I shared, you know, the two little boxes I made for my kids. And of course people loved it because they were like, yes, I want to do that. Of course now, like everybody's talking about these little, these little boxes, but, um, yeah, you know, when you're desperate, <laughs> you need your child to be sane for six hours and they're not going to be, you You can be very creative. And I like how you had like all different types of things in there. I don't know, even like there's like maybe chocolate chips or M&Ms or something or whatever. You had a treat one where when we think of diet and nutrition, we want it to be lifestyle. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like diet has such a bad energy around it almost, right? It's almost mm-hmm. like diet means restrictive, but it's really not. It's just like, what is, what is our eating pattern? You know, what do we eat? What, and in my family, it means we eat everything. <laughs> you know, there's not a lot of things that we categorically don't eat, you know, and, and for some families that are like, Hey, we got allergies. We don't eat these foods or, you know, we follow a vegetarian eating pattern or, um, you know, there's all sorts of different eating patterns that are going to work for for different families. Um, and you know, for us, it means, yeah, well, M&Ms are going to show up in your airplane box. And, you know, my son yesterday made, um, he and, and my other son, little snowman toast, which was like toast with peanut butter on it and chocolate chips and sprinkles. (laughs) I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Mama, it needs sprinkles. The, the chocolate chips aren't enough, right? right? He just, oh. no, chocolate. Now there were, it was like two eyes and then like four little buttons yeah. down the front. Oh. So the fewest number of chocolate chips I've ever seen on his famous chocolate chip toast. Awesome. <laughs> so it was fine to have the sprinkles on top, you know? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I have daughters that are almost 10 and I am noticing their body awareness and comparing it. and then you know, you'll hear some of their little friends say things like, do I look fat in this or do I, Mm -hmm. it's just shocking to me that I had five boys first. So the boys are kind of clueless at some level Mm -hmm. so far. So I've been happy about that, but my daughters are already talking about this body image thing and linking it to food. And am I fat and all this, how do you handle those kind of conversations to keep them healthy and not discounting who their friends are, because then I'm going to you know, gap myself between them and their friends. Yeah. You know, this is so, it's so hard and it's so sad because we're swimming in this diet culture. Um, I recently gave a talk about, you know, the way we talk about food can help prevent disordered eating among kids. And as I was doing some of the research for this, I um, came across 
quite a bit of research showing the rates of body dissatisfaction among preschoolers, three and four-year-olds, wow. 20 to 70% what? in various studies have established that 30 to 40% of boys and girls who are three to four years old are not happy with their body. They are either too big or too small. Um, you know, we're seeing three-year-olds who are want to go, go, you know, they don't want to eat the chocolate. It'll make them fat, or they think they need to go on a diet. They're just absorbing what we're doing. And, you know, if we're parents and we're weighing ourselves in front of the kids, or we're saying we're fat, or we're saying we need to go on a diet to lose weight and make our body smaller, all these things, all these things are affecting our kids. So when we have a, a 10-year-old and they're saying, hey, will this make me fat? We're hearing a couple things. We're hearing people in larger bodies are not okay. Mm -hmm. That's what we're hearing. And gosh, weight stigma is just out of control. We're also hearing, um, you know, I'm not okay with who I am. Right. And therefore I need to do something. I need to, to restrict what I'm eating. I do think it's worth a conversation with yeah. your daughter. And I don't know if it would necessarily be appropriate to talk to other kids. Right, right. But I think having the conversation with your own child and just kind of opening it up and saying, oh, wow, I heard your friend say that. It's not like, it's not like avoiding what they're saying is going to help anybody. No, right. Exactly. You know, and I heard my daughter, my daughter said to her friend, well, my mom says food is fuel. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, you know, because I'm, right. I, I'm trading for these big adventures. So I always have to be conscientious of what I'm eating. So I have enough fuel to do the next day's workout. Right. So it's yeah. a very different topic in our house because I changed my diet based on what my training plan is. Right. Yeah. And they look at it because I need to make sure that I carb load or I have more different things. And so yeah. it's just fascinating to me to see it with their friends and how, um, how it's just already there. I mean, it's there, yeah. it's a conversation yeah. that has to be had and you lean into it more of just saying like, how do you feel about it? Or what are you thinking? And just leave it yeah. open-ended at that age. Yeah, I think so. And I, I mean, you're the pro parent compared to me, right? <laughs> but, no. but I think, you know, is sitting down and saying, oh, that's interesting. Hmm. I remember reading a book that I grew up reading, loving. I read it to my kids and it was as part of a series and I was so excited. <laughs> I read this book and there was some really serious weight stigma in this book. They were just, there was, there was a, um, a, a, a character who was um, larger and there was this track scene and the way that they described this person running was awful. It was so awful. And of course, like you don't really realize what's happening until the words are coming out of your mouth till you're reading them. And you're like, okay, I got to stop. I have to stop reading this and say, wow, that's interesting. I wonder where they, why they are talking about this person's body in this way. You know, why do you think? And just kind of like starting the conversation says, oh, it's, it's really interesting that they're making fun of this person just because they're big and they have fat. Um, you know, and I, I think also a conversation that I've had with the kids is cause you know, I'm slender and, and so in our family, it's not the norm to have a lot of fat. Mm -hmm. And so, but of course, as we're out, you know, people are all shapes and sizes. Right. And I remember <laughs> We were out hiking and my son who, you know, I don't know, he was like five at the time or something. It was like, um, I'm trying to remember what he said, something like, why is that person so fat? But he said it really loud. And I was just like, I, he didn't mean it. In right. It wasn't negative. It was a legit like, question. Right. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Why? <laughs> um, and of course, knowing the effect that that has in the weight stigma and so, you know, we sat down and had a conversation. Hey, when your body has extra energy, it stores it as fat. That's what fat is. Fat is having extra energy. And then he went on his way because there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing bad about that person. It's just the fact that they have extra energy stored. And, you know, I've put that, I, out, that idea out on Instagram before. And oh my gosh, people have gotten so up in arms. Like, why would you talk about fat neutrally? 
like because it is neutral yeah. it's stored energy like why are you why why does that make you uncomfortable for me to talk about it from a clinical factual perspective and or to bring up with my kids you know when other people say this it's interesting how they're saying bad things you know but i think we have to sensitize our kids to stigma and we have to tell them what fat actually is and you know it's almost like they were like well you know but but it's associated with health risks like okay so is drinking alcohol but you're drinking alcohol so like i'm right. not i'm right, not right, on right, you right. for that so yeah i think talking to our kids factually you know bringing it up hey your friend said does this make me look fat? What do you think she meant by that? She's saying that it's bad to be fat. Like, oh, that's interesting. What do you, where does that come from? What does that mean for people? Does that mean she's bad? What about your other friends who are fat? What, what does that mean? You know, why is fat a bad word when it means that a person has extra fat on their body? I like that approach of just keeping it open-ended and letting them be curious about it because a lot of times it's giving them the space to even explore what it means versus just internalizing it and piling it onto something before that pause mm -hmm. is just a little break and saying, Oh, wait, what does this mean? Why am I saying this? Why are we talking about this? So no, I like that. Right. I appreciate that. Okay. So this episode was amazing because there's so much things and food's a part of all of our lives and making sure that we're making healthy choices and building a healthy relationship with food. So tell our listeners how they can follow and learn more about all that you're putting out into the world. Sure. So if you want to learn more from feeding your baby that first bite of iron rich foods through toddler eating, elementary age nutrition, the learning center on the Kids Eating Color website, kidseatingcolor.com is the place to go. And if you want kind of like that daily dose of, of information that's going to help you feel like you're successful today. And also if you want some ideas, you have something to try kids eating color you can follow us um and get all the fun posts and reels and all that fun stuff oh and they're funny they're fun they're entertaining and on the website there's like recipes and there's mm -hmm. strategies of the questions that i've been asking today they've been addressed on the website in article format and a lot of the stuff is like infographic which i love like one of my mm -hmm. favorite infographics that you need to go on the site and see is how you talk about food at a preschool age and then like three to five-year-old and six to seven-year-old. And as they get older and the different details so that they become more informed, but it's at their comprehension level. I like that right. a lot. That was really helpful. Yeah. So fun. Well, thank you, Jennifer. It's been a pleasure to have you and we will continue to follow and learn all these healthy little tricks. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me.